Hi, everyone. I'm excited to share a clip from a new podcast called Bad Blood, The Final Chapter. The show will focus on the trial of Elizabeth Holmes, founder of the now-defunct blood testing startup Theranos. It's hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist John Carreyrou, who's reporting for the Wall Street Journal first exposed Theranos. He wrote a book about Theranos' downfall. He's kind of the expert on the topic. Bad Blood will walk you through the government's case against Elizabeth Holmes and everything happening in the courtroom. You'll hear exactly how Theranos got away lying to investors, patients, and doctors. And you'll learn about the impact of Elizabeth Holmes' lies and the consequences of Silicon Valley's fake-it-till-you-make-it culture. Plus, there will be lots of new material in the show that has never been published before. What you're about to hear is from an episode about how Elizabeth tried to capitalize on the 2014 Ebola epidemic to land a big investor. If you ever wondered what Theranos would do if it was still around during the COVID-19 pandemic, this is probably a good clue. Take a listen. In March of 2015, Elizabeth was invited to Stanford. She was now a full-blown celebrity, the Silicon Valley prodigy who was upending medicine. Forbes had anointed her the world's youngest self-made female billionaire. She was a sought-after guest speaker. Her talk at Stanford was a fireside chat with Theranos board member George Schultz. About half an hour in, she got a question from the audience about the FDA. She answered it with her usual spiel about how she welcomed FDA oversight of laboratory tests. But as she spoke, Schultz interrupted her. There are frustrations. For example, it's okay for me to say. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, maybe you should not for say. For example, <laughs> Elizabeth has No, you should not say. No. That uh, will spot Ebola very early, before it is symptomatic. So it can be treated before it becomes communicable. So we're waiting for approval. We're, we're working with the agency. We have a very good relationship with the agency, and it's been, um, it's been something that, um, that has proved to us that supporting the requirement for FDA regulation, even of tests that right now um, don't have to be regulated by FDA is the right thing to do. <laughs> Elizabeth hadn't told Schultz that Theranos' Ebola application was stalled because it had failed to answer the agency's questions. Instead, she'd left him with the misleading impression that it was the FDA being slow. And now, that fib was boomeranging back on her in public. Although, being the smooth operator that she was, she was able to play the awkward moment for laughs. There was something else Elizabeth hadn't told Schultz. By the time of their talk at Stanford, her interest in Ebola had waned. The outbreak in West Africa was coming under control, and after the death of the traveler from Liberia and Dallas, the CDC had successfully stopped the epidemic from spreading on U.S. soil. As one former Theranos executive put it to me, after the new year, Ebola was kind of dropped. Elizabeth was no longer bugging us about it. Meanwhile, Byron Trott's BDT Capital had walked away from an investment in Theranos for reasons unrelated to Ebola. In fact, why BDT walked away is a whole other story, a fascinating one, that I'm going to tell you in another episode of this podcast. But back to Ebola. Before it walked away, BDT had drafted a 21-page memo about Theranos for its co-investors. It listed all the Ebola claims Elizabeth and Sonny had made to the firm. 
One of those claims was that the CDC had asked Theranos to develop an Ebola fingerstick test because of, quote, the propensity of field workers to accidentally stick themselves with infected needles. That wasn't true. A person with knowledge of the matter told me it was Elizabeth who'd approached CDC director Tom Frieden, not the other way around. And Frieden had never found her claims about Theranos' test credible. He'd even likened them to cold fusion. That's scientists speak for something that's laughably impossible. What about the $120 million contract Theranos claimed to be negotiating with the government to test for Ebola at U.S. airports and in West Africa? As far as BDT knew, that contract was now expanding to, quote, provide the infrastructure to contain future biothreats. But Frieden had never heard of such a contract. So were Elizabeth and Sonny lying about it? In hindsight, it sure sounds like it. We'll see on the third paragraph down, it says, company is currently negotiating the terms of a contract with the U.S. government to provide testing services for Ebola within U.S. airports and alongside the U.S. military and aid agencies in West Africa. Did you tell BDT this? I don't remember a specific um, conversation to that effect. That's Elizabeth being confronted with the BDT memo by SEC staff attorney Jessica Chan in the summer of 2017. Were you negotiating the terms of a contract with the U.S. government at that time with respect to Ebola? Not that I can recall. So would this statement be true as of late 2014? I don't think so, but I, I can't remember exactly who we were engaging with on Ebola contracting. Sonny, too, was asked about the big government contract in his SEC interview two weeks later. What about the statement, two more paragraphs down, the company is currently working with the government to finalize a contract which it plans to announce in the coming months, launching in U.S. airports shortly thereafter. My recollection is I did not make this comment, and uh, I don't know if anybody, best of my knowledge, was talking to the government or not. Clearly, there never was an Ebola contract under negotiation. It was something Elizabeth and Sonny said to impress BDT and its co-investors. But that FDA approval never came. Although Theranos eventually did send responses to the agency's questions, the FDA found them unsatisfactory, and its application languished. The Ebola epidemic subsided in early 2016. By then, I had published my first expose on Theranos, and the company was in a fight for its life. To try to turn public opinion around, Elizabeth went to Philadelphia to address the annual meeting of the American Association for Clinical Chemistry. There, in front of thousands of laboratory scientists from around the country, she unveiled the mini-lab. And she touted something else. A new test. Finally, we'll present results on the nucleic acid detection capabilities of the mini-lab and introduce our Zika nucleic acid-based assay on mini-lab. The Ebola epidemic had faded from view, but there was a new plague sweeping across Latin America. Zika. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the clip, you can search for Bad Blood, the final chapter, wherever you get your podcasts.